Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. All right. So I've got a message that I want to speak this morning entitled Living Higher. Because this is a move, we are in a move, and today I'm not talking about moving wider, I'm talking about moving higher. In fact, I want to invite you to change your address this morning, so look at your neighbor and say, we're moving. I know it's news, but it's true. We're moving. In Malaysia, Jemima and I live between two countries, half the time in Perth, half the time in KL. It's five hours by plane, same time zone. And we have, our life is sort of constantly shuffling between those two. But in KL, we have an apartment. In Malaysia, uh, it's sort of superstitious Chinese culture. The number four is bad luck. So they don't have a number four if it's a Chinese developer. The apartment floors go like this. One, two, three, three A, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 A, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 23A, 25, 26, et cetera, you get the point. So we live on level 33A, otherwise to the rest of the world known as level 34. Now, that is high. And the reason we were told to get a high apartment when you go to Malaysia is at the higher levels, mosquitoes can't live. So you don't want dengue, you don't want malaria, you don't want any of those other stuff that can happen. So the whole idea is you live at an altitude where some of the things that bug you on ground floor can't bug you. That's why it's a good idea to move higher, not just go higher for a conference or a Sunday or a sermon or a song, but imagine if we just changed address. Imagine if the mindset was, I don't want to live at ground zero and have services at level 33A. I want to live at 33A then that is a whole different way of thinking. It's a whole different way of living. In fact, it's how God has invited every believer to live. He, there are references in the scripture. I'll give you a couple. But every believer is supposed to live from heaven toward earth, not from earth toward heaven. The traditional view of God is like, we're all stuck down here and we throw prayers up there hoping he hears something. And yet he says, no, 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 no. You're where I am. And from that position of victory, from that position of identity, live toward the reality that you're facing. Because at 33A, the view's different, the vantage is different, the peace level is different. Here's a verse, Isaiah 40. They that wait upon the Lord, renew their strength, they will mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary, they'll walk and not faint. It's the image of an eagle. If you think of an eagle soaring, it's effortless. It's peaceful. That's where we should live. That's not a conference moment. That's not an altar call moment. That's your address. That's where we should reside. So that's a different mindset. So this is movement season, but we're gonna move higher. Here's a verse, Ephesians 2.5. Just another verse. God raised us up. What did he do? He raised us up together and made us sit together. Where? In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
Let me put it to you in practical vernacular. Living higher simply means I'm seeing life from God's perspective. Living higher, if I'm gonna move to 33A, it means from that point on, I see life from God's perspective. Not just in a moment, but continually. You know, towards the end of COVID, again, because Jemima and I, planes are part of our life, but we got grounded during COVID and we missed 33A because we were stuck in Perth at ground zero. And just to sheer, out of frustration, we wanted to break the boredom, we, 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 we booked a helicopter ride in Perth. And we, from Burswood, we got in the helicopter and I've got some footage of us going in the helicopter and it's literally, I'd never been in a helicopter. And what I found fascinating about a helicopter is you're not so high you can't recognize detail, but you're not so low that you're caught in the detail. And in the helicopter, I could point out the restaurants, I could point out the convention center, I could point out the buildings where I used to work as a lawyer, I could point out different spaces. And I thought, man, this is cool. And it was such a thrill because we were stuck on the ground for two years and I'm used to being in the plane so often. And so I lit we had a great time. But you know, the best part about the helicopter ride was the helicopter pilot. This guy was a hoot. This guy loved it. Thanks for the footage, that's cool. The, the pilot was this Aussie larrikin who loved his job and he hated sharks. I've never met anyone who liked sharks, but he hated them. And we would fly over the coastline of WA and he'd be mocking the sharks from the helicopter. Ah, can't get us up here, can you, buddy? And we're like, this guy's, a, this guy's like high on his victory because he's flying at a certain altitude and you know, it, it, there's a level of truth that when you do live at a certain altitude, you can laugh at the things that are not that funny at ground floor. <laughs> and, and, and it was a great experience for about 20 minutes. And I remember coming back down to ground floor going, man, that guy's got a great job. He gets to live there. We just got to go there for 20 minutes. And yet when it comes to God, you get to live there. That's why we need to move higher. We need to live higher. Here's, here's a story. Um, here's a story from the book of Acts that I think illustrates this so well. Acts chapter 12, one through six, some context, here it is. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night, Peter was sleeping. Of all the words I've highlighted, I've highlighted the word sleeping. It's not what you're supposed to be doing right now. Wake your neighbor up bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Spoiler alert, the end of the story doesn't end in his death. Earthquake, he escapes, church prays, amazing. But in the moment, I want you to get in the moment with me for a second and pretend you're Peter. This is what we just read. His best friend just got killed. So he's dealing with grief of a magnitude that is just horrible. It's that, that day he got killed. 
Now he's arrested by the same guys that killed his best friend. Now he's in prison. He's uncomfortable. He's dealing with grief. And as far as he's concerned, because he didn't know the future, he was about to be killed the next day and Herod was about to bring him out. So he's, think of his emotional state. He's going through grief. He's now got anxiety and fear. If, if you knew tonight was the last night of your life, you're probably not sleeping. And he's stuck between his enemies, not his loved ones. Stuck between two soldiers. He's uncomfortable, he's fearful, he's got grief, he's got anxiety, he's got all of that. He's in a horrible place and he's sleeping. What sort of peace did Peter have that in a circumstance that is as bad as you could conjure up in that moment, he was fast asleep? This is the same Peter that a few years earlier when there was some bad weather panicked when Jesus was in the boat with him. Oh my God, we're gonna die. And this guy who fell apart with bad weather in now a circumstances far worse where he's dealing with real grief, real trauma, real fear, real anxiety, real discomfort, real opposition is now completely asleep. Back then Jesus was asleep and Peter was frantic. Peter learned something on the journey. I, t I will put it to you this way. Peter moved a dress in his ministry. He moved to the point where he said, you know what? No matter what I'm going through, I wanna live at 33A. Because from 33A, the view's different, the vantage's different, the storm is different, the grief is different, the pain is different, the problems are different. From 33A, everything is different. In fact, he penned these words himself in his own epistle. 1 Peter 1.18 is one of my favorite verses, especially the message translation. Here's what it says. Your life is a journey you must travel with a deep consciousness of God. That's Peter himself, he his book. He's basically said, let me tell you something that I've learned on this journey from the time I was in a boat till now I'm in between two guards. Your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness. In other words, you can travel with a shallow consciousness of God, a mediocre consciousness of God, a relatively okay consciousness of God, but I tell you the best way to travel through life with a deep consciousness of God. And in an ironic twist of analogy, the higher you go, the deeper you go. The higher you go, the more of God's conscious sense, presence, awareness we need. And he says, let me tell you the best way to live life. Travel life with a deep consciousness of God. Simply another, you know, another way of saying it is, God, if I'm gonna live higher, I wanna live with a deeper consciousness of you. If I'm gonna move higher, I wanna live in a space where I'm always conscious, doesn't matter what my season, what my situation, what I'm going through, that is the invitation to every believer. It's a tragic waste to have the one who's eternal living inside of you and be subject to every storm because storms are coming. No one promised storm free, but we promised storm proof because there's an eternal side to this journey. And the more conscious you are of God, life is a journey best traveled with a deep consciousness of God. You know, here's the, here's the practice of it. If you live higher, you will start to see yourself differently. You know, from 33A, you gotta, not only does everything look different, everyone looks different. And it starts with you. 
Some of us, the greatest challenge we have is we see ourselves as grasshoppers. If that's a familiar analogy, that's because it's borrowed from Numbers 13, where 10, 12 spies were sent out and 10 of them basically brought the report in Numbers 13. Oh man, they were so big, we were like grasshoppers. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We, we looked at ourselves. Are they grasshoppers? No, they're not but they saw themselves as grasshoppers. There are believers who see themselves as grasshoppers and that's why every giant seems so intimidating. But I wanna tell you, if you just get in the lift and go up to 33A and then say, God, help me see me the way you see me, you will start to realize you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were made in the secret place and He knit you together in your mother's womb and that is how God sees you. And when you see yourself like that, you don't get proud and arrogant. You go, wow, God, I have value. I have identity. I am not just a guy that just happened by chance to be here. I am actually chosen. I am prepared. I am planned. God assigned your gender. God assigned your destiny. Something should be safe to say in church, but never mind. Um, God has a plan for you. And, and when you see yourself the way God sees you, everything changes. You know, I think if you've ever had that aha moment, like when you, you, you did something dumb and you're like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. And you sort of just have a little moment. You know, I think it's akin to a guy just going a little higher. And you know, anyone ever had that moment of regret? Well, like, oh, I shouldn't have got caught in that conversation. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have lost it like that. I should have walked out of that moment. Ah, and you know what that is? That's a moment of repentance where you just sort of go a little higher and you look at yourself and you go, oh. I think that's what happened to the prodigal. The prodigal wasted his living. And then the Bible says he came to his senses. Meaning, I just think he had a little 33A moment lift where he sort of got high and he thought, I'm eating pig's food? I gotta be better than this. My father's house, even the servants eat better than this. He had a moment where he saw himself from a slightly higher perspective. Do you know, and the Bible said he repented, he turned around. The word repent in the English, re means to go back, reverse, return, revert. The word, the prefix re means to go back. Pent means top. The penthouse is the top house. When your anger is pent up, it's at the top level. So the English word to repent literally means to go back to the top. So when we repent, all we're really doing is going back to 33A where we belong, seated in heavenly places. Every now and then we come down to ground zero, do some dumb things, say some dumb things, and God says, repent. Repent means get back in the lift and go back to the top and start to see yourself the way God sees you and say, you don't need to be caught in that. You don't need to be messed up with that. Repent. We think repent means to cry at an altar. It's not. It includes that, but it's not limited to that. It is actually higher than that because real repentance is to see you the way God sees you because that's the real sign that you'll change when you realize who you really are. Some people get caught in the same sin and just, sorry God, sorry God, sorry God, did it again, sorry God, oops, I did it again, sorry God, sorry God, sorry God. And they think every time they say sorry God over and over again, they're repenting. That's not repenting, that's repeating. That's all you're doing. So the same thing over and over again is called repeating. 
real repentance is to get into the lift and see yourself the way God sees you. Because all of a sudden, that's what will break the chains. That's what will actually change your perspective. Jesus knew who he was. He was coming from the Father, going to the Father. So he took off his robe and washed the feet of his disciples. Peter went from cutting off soldiers' ears, being scared of servant girls, to one day saying, you know what, I'm gonna be martyred for Christ. I'm not worthy to be crucified. What shifted? It's not that he just worked on his behavior. He started to live with a deeper consciousness of God. He started to see himself the way God sees him. I remember this, I was at a Youth Alive rally as a 14 year old and I brought an unsaved friend for the first time. Unsaved simply means he didn't know God. And you know, he's a good guy, his name was Lane. And we were great mates, we used to play basketball together. And um, I used to be the awesome kid at the front enjoying it, but now that I brought a new person, I was a little scared, a little intimidated, so I sort of stood at the back, tried to look cool, really caught between being a Christian and, and being a cool friend. And Lane wasn't giving me a hard time, but I was just caught in my own grasshopper moment. And uh, I'm like, oh man, this is so good. And you know, all everyone's dancing. I wasn't dancing like David that night. I was just in my hands in my pocket trying to be like cool. And I was more like swaying like Saul rather than dancing like David. And eventually they got to the altar call and they give the salvation thing and Lane doesn't respond. I was a bit sad, I was like, okay, oh well. And then in Youth Alive back then, I don't know how they do it now, at the end of the message after the salvation, they had a time of worship. And all the Christians would walk to the front, start worshiping God as we do. And I'm normally in that number, but I brought Lane. So I don't wanna, So I just stood there with him and caught awkwardly. They're singing, lifting your hands. I'm like, just caught my little grasshopper moment. And after a while, Lane was there and he's seeing what's going on at the front, seeing me. And he goes, hey, Mark. I go, yeah. What those guys are doing. Um, Isn't that what you normally do? And I'm like, oh, don't deny Christ. Don't deny Christ. If you're ashamed of him before men, he'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. But I can't say, oh, I don't know what to say. Oh, God. And I sort of sheepishly, um, yeah, well, sometimes, yeah, sort of, yeah. Pathetic. And you know what? The strangest thing happened. Lane said to me, why don't you just go and do it? Just go do it. I'll just wait for you at the back, man. It's all cool. After the event, we'll just go get a drink. I thought, oh. So I sheepishly walked to the front. And as I'm walking, I'm realized what just happened. The non-Christian just told the Christian to go and worship God. Lane saw me higher than the way I saw me. A non-Christian saw me higher than the way I saw me. Sometimes we can get so caught in our identity and our issues and our insecurities and our fears. But I wanna tell you, when you live at 33A, you will see yourself the way God sees you. And if you don't, just this morning, I invite you to repent. Repent, get back in the lift and say, God, today I wanna leave today seeing me the way you see me. And when you see yourself the way God sees you, stare at that image long enough and it'll change everything else about your life. 
It not, it not only changes the way you see yourself when you live at 33A, from 33A, it'll change the way you see others. Others look different. It's not just yourself that looks different. Others look different. You know, here's a good prayer. God, I want to see others the way you see them. I don't know who's bugging you right now, but think about them. Don't nudge them. Just think about them. And imagine what it'd be like if you could see them from God's perspective instead of your perspective. Because from ground zero, everyone looks terrible. So I like the people in the balcony today. Because from where you sit, I look slimmer. From ground zero, it looks terrible. But I wanna tell you, when you, I 33A, everyone looks different. Not just you, others. Look at how Jesus saw people. Do you know there's a woman with the issue of blood, you know the story. The point I'm making from this story is when he heals her, he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Jesus didn't have kids. He wasn't married. Probably this woman was older than him in all reality. And yet he called an older woman in probability daughter. Why? Because he saw her the way the father saw her. When you start to see every person the way God sees them, it will change everything. The bitterness, the jealousy, the insecurity, the fighting. Like, God, I want to see everyone the way you see them. And you get in the lift to go high enough and don't just have a moment. Move there. This is movement season. We're moving to a higher place. I promise you it'll start to look different. You know, that your atmosphere is a reflection of where you most live at. So if you're constantly anxious, it's probably because you're living at ground one or two. If you're constantly fearful, it's probably ground zero or ground three. But the higher you go, the more those emotions change. Compassion, peace. At a higher level, it's just, you have more grace. And if you, if you pay attention to your own emotional state and you find yourself constantly battling all the things that we all battle, don't just try and improve your behavior. Just get in the lift and go higher. Just repent. Just go to the top. Jesus, literally on the cross, about to go into below ground, says, Father, forgive them. He's looking at them, even though he's in literally ground zero from 33A, saying, God, they don't know what they're doing. He's not going, give me six months, nine months of therapy, 12 months of counseling, and then I'll slowly see if I can bless them. In the moment they're killing him, he says, Father, forgive them. That's the benefit of seeing others from 33A. Do you know, um, on this helicopter ride, which I thoroughly enjoyed, I did have a little bit of jealousy. I remember thinking, I said to Jerome, I said, I would love this guy's job. Maybe it was the pandemic, I was ready to quit. Uh, everyone was ready to quit at some point in the pandemic. And I'm like, this guy's got a great job. He literally gets to get in the helicopter, mock sharks, get a great view. And as I thought about it, I realized that is my job. That's what I am. I'm a helicopter pilot. You're a Christian, you're a helicopter pilot. You have a vehicle called the presence of God that you get to go in high and you get to take people on the journey with you and you get to help them see things from a vantage they could never see themselves and that is my job. I'm a helicopter pilot. My job today is to take you into the ride with me so that you can start to see yourself differently, you can start to see others differently. That's, I'm a helicopter pilot and that's what counseling is.
That's what ministry is. And, and I'll use Pastor John as an illustration here. I'd use Pastor Greg, but you know, I have respect for my seniors. John and I are more contemporaries. Like, John, if you just come and stand there, you know, counseling isn't, you go to the counselor or the minister, John, bad boy, treat Anna better, buy her more presents, da 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 I'm not happy with your insecurities, blah, blah, blah. That'll be $280, see you next week. That's not counseling. That's creating dependencies. Real ministry, real counseling is to, like a helicopter pilot, you take him by the hand and you take him up higher. Oh, oh, oh Jesus, sorry. <laughs> see, on his own, he could never do that. He had a counselor who pulled him higher. And you know, here's what happens. Real ministry, you're right there. Real ministry is pulling someone up higher, putting them in the helicopter and saying, look, you're better than that, man. God has made you incredibly. And, this is, and, and there's something about ministry that should really pull people higher. It's not high people speaking down to low people. Okay, go, go, go down. All the best with your fall. It's much easier to fall than to rise. As I'm preaching now, I just added this illustration. We all have fallen. But you know, here's the thing. Because I live at 33A, every now and then I come to Ground Zero, visit humans, enjoy the, enjoy the view, and then go back to where I live. As opposed to humans who occasionally come to 33A at conference, or on a Sunday night altar call time, have a 33A moment. No, we want a 33A movement. We want a whole group to say, you know what? That's where I live, where the sharks can't bite, where the mozzies don't get me. I'm gonna move a dress. I'm gonna start to see myself different, see others different. And that is the reality. Do you know, ministry will get you a 33A experience, leadership, will move you to a 33A lifestyle. And really the goal of leaders is to move people higher. Moses at 33A was enjoying an encounter with God, comes down to ground floor and smashes the tablets. And then he needs to repent and go back up the mountain and get a new set. It'll, it'll, it'll change the way you see yourself, it'll change the way you see others, it'll change the way you see circumstances. Do you know, um, I, our, our apartment, there's a, there's a pool at the ground floor. And um, from the pool, the buildings that surround look massive. They look a bit like this. And it's like, when I'm doing my freestyle or my breaststroke and I'm looking at the buildings, they're like, that's huge. And for some of you, that's how your problems look. That's how your debt looks. That's how your mother-in-law looks. That's how your fears look. That's how your anxiety looks. That's how the, the circumstance, your future might look like that. Oh, it seems so insurmountable, God. But you know, the same buildings, when you fly in a plane, look like this. Which problem? Which debt again? Oh, it's still there. The problems didn't shrink. So I'm a huge fan of believing, preaching the message of faith that God would move mountains. But every now and then he wants you to move a dress. Because if you move a dress, the mountains will suddenly look a whole lot less, lot less intimidating. There's something about circumstances. You know, 
Storms are horrific when you're under them. But when you're in the plane, it's like, oh, look, a storm. Because it's a bad vantage. It's a bad address. Peter, on his journey, went from being the guy who lived on ground zero to the guy, and he did get martyred for his faith. But even in that moment, like Stephen, on the day of his death, was in total peace. Stephen, the day he got stoned and everyone literally killed him, the only guy who was at peace was him. All the rest at ground zero were real angry. And he's living at 33A. There's no storm that can steal your peace if you live at 33A. That's why this is really a message of repentance. If people said, what happened at Futures Paradise this morning? We had a big repentance service. The people think, oh no, who did what? Scandal. No, no, no. All we did is just move up. All we did is go back to the top. In fact, let me help you. I suggest you learn to repent before, not after. What? Because repent means to go back to the top. Imagine if you repented before. Let me put it to you this way. If you don't repent before, you will repent after. Think about it. Before you go to your family lunch, repent. Or you'll be repenting after the family lunch. What do you mean repent before? Go back to the top. Say, God, help me to see my family the way you see them. And then the same nagging stuff that irritates you won't irritate you. Because I see them from 33A. Before you confront that person, repent. Or you'll end up repenting about it after. Before I confront them, help me, God, help me to see them the way you see them before I deal with this issue. Wow. But before you plan your budget, repent. Or you'll be repenting after you do the spending. Lord, help me to see finances the way you see finances. Help me to see things the way you see. Before you go into your strategic meeting, repent. But I didn't do anything wrong. No, 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 get back into the top and start to see what God sees. Before you log onto your computer late at night, repent. Or you'll be repenting after. Lord, help me to see everything from your perspective. That's for all the young men and the older men. One for the ladies. Before you go shopping, repent. Before you go shopping. Or you'll be repenting after. Lord, help me to see everything the way you see things. See, repentance is not a lifestyle in response to sin. It is a perspective from which to see God. A perspective from which to see others. A perspective to which to see yourself. So Father, I want to live a life. At 33, I want to move. So why don't we all stand to our feet? Um, I've got one more verse. Psalm 110 verse one, one of my favorite verses. It says this, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my where? Right hand. Everyone say right hand. Not at my foot, at my right hand. Until, that's the key word, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. This is this is a beautiful verse. This is a Psalm 33. This is a 33a verse. Psalm 110. It's, it says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand. Sometimes you come in anxious, stressed, fearful. You know, we're doing messages on all of these things and how to conquer them. But I want to tell you, let me give you the key to movement. Move higher first, and then God will take you wider and He'll take you further. Move higher first. He says, Sit at my right hand. You're like, What does that mean? 
was just stay there until say you come in with a real harrowing situation on your mind you can't get it off how do you feel about it right now oh I hate her I hope she dies okay well just sit at my right hand come higher get in the lift repent come higher and sit where I sit after we sing from you are all things to you are all things you deserve the glory all the saints and angels bow before you through wow how do you feel now about her? Oh, I hope she shouldn't die. But maybe some sort of illness that really inconveniences her life would be good for a season at least. Okay, sit here. Sit here. How long do we have to sing this song? Until. How long do I do my devotions for? Until. How long do I have to wait in the presence of God? Until. How long does the Wednesday night prayer meeting go for? Until. 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 Sit in my right hand until. You, day and night, night and day, let incense arise. How do you feel now? Oh, yeah. I suppose she's just a broken person. Her mother was dysfunctional and she came from a long line. So, you know what? I, I don't hate her. I don't. Maybe we should pray for her. Great. Sit here until. Sit here until the building appears under your feet. Sit here until the enemy becomes your footstool. Sit here until all the giants are no longer giants. The giants are the grasshoppers. Sit here until. That's why the worst thing you can do is ignore the praise and worship. That's why the worst thing you can do is ignore the prayer. Sit here until it's God. It's really, you know what the worship is? It's a lift that goes higher and higher and higher and higher. Do you know what this response is? It's a lift that goes higher and higher and higher. Do you know what Wednesday night prayer is? It's a lift that goes higher and higher and higher. We're moving a dress today. Come on, Futures Paradise. We're moving a dress. We're saying this is a season of movement and we are moving higher. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, 
your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.